0: This will help each one of us very much if we can get this concept. Jesus is the Word. The Lord is the Word. And the Word was with God from the beginning, but came to earth in the form of a man named Jesus. Then he went back to heaven and He is the Word, sitting in heaven right now, interceding for us. And His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of Jesus, and He reminds us of the things that God has said to us. So we have enormous weapons in going forward as Christians. Let's go into this subject of the Lord being the Word and Jesus being the Word and see how much this helps us in understanding scriptures in the Bible. We're going to take a very familiar psalm Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that really mean? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the Word of God. The Word of God is my shepherd. As I follow the Word of God, He will move me from one place to another to my benefit. He will put me in green pastures. He will give me water. I will not have any need. I will not have any lack. Now, you may say, but I'm a Christian and I have lack. Well, you may have not completely learned how to follow God because when you follow God, he is going to put you in the exact place that you should be living and the exact time that you should be living there and it will lead you to green pastures, and still waters. You may be in a job that's terrible. You may be in a job where there's constant turmoil. You may have put yourself in that job by your own way of thinking. We're going to see if we can get some freedom for you. Let's look again at this and, le- and learn this concept. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Word of God is my shepherd. That word that God has given me by his Spirit is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, this is a really tremendous thing because when you understand following God and you understand the Spirit of God who guides you into all truth, teaches you all things, reminds you of everything Jesus has said and shows you things to come, you have a tremendous arsenal in going forward in this life i'm quoting from john chapter 14 verse 26 and john chapter 16 verse 14 for those are four things the holy spirit does for us in john chapter 14 verse 26 jesus said when he the spirit of truth is come he will teach you all things all things He will teach you all things, secular and spiritual. It also says he will remind you of everything that Jesus has said. He will remind you of scriptures. He will remind you of concepts. These are so important to us. I owned a small business in Dallas, Texas in 1975 at the time I was born again. I learned these concepts of following God. And I ran my business by these concepts. When I went out to the reservations in New Mexico to buy Indian artwork, I prayed before I went out to buy the artwork, asking God to have the Indians make the artwork for me before I got there. When I got to the reservations, I had prayed that God would show me which items to buy. He guides us into all truth. Guides us into all truth about all things. He teaches us all things. I depended on him to teach me, to show me which items were worth buying, which items were priced correctly. I ran my business by these principles of God. In the years I had my business, I never had an item that didn't sell. And I never put an item on sale. Every time I brought back jewelry from the reservations, or pottery, or rugs, or whatever it was I was buying, every time it sold, and it sold immediately. And the things I prayed were that God would have the Indians make the item. And when I got to the reservation, that God would show me the items to purchase. And when I got back to my business, I prayed that God would send the angels out to bring the people in to buy the items. I never had a sale. I never lowered the price on anything. And I never had an item that didn't sell. That's pretty spectacular, don't you think? But it's because of God. Depending on God. He, the Word, maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What kind of pasture are you living in right now? Is there any deprivation? Do you have food? Do you have raiment? Do you have a job you hate? There's the problem right there. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Begin praying, asking God to give you a type of work on this earth that you can enjoy doing. Pam Paget, a member of the Body of Christ, did that very thing back in the eighties. She graduated from college and had a master's degree in college, and she thought she wanted to work with juvenile delinquents, but she hated it and she was terrified. So she took a job in Colorado Springs, working as a secretary at a bank, and she had very good secretarial skills. This was, I think, in the mid-'80s. So she worked for two years at this bank, and she worked as a secretary for the legal counsel of the bank. But she became bored with the work she was doing. So she started praying asking God, please help me find a job that I can enjoy. That's all she had to pray. After she had prayed, one day she went into the bank. Remember, this is about 1985, before we all had computers. Her boss said to her, Pam, I wish you, if you would, please, that you would open one of those computers and see if that it can benefit us. And Pam said she'd be happy to do that. And then she said to her boss, well, would it be all right if I took a a course at community college on computers? And he said, sure. So they looked over the list of courses, and they found a course called BASIC. And they thought that was the course she needed to take so she enrolled in it she got to the course that night and it was a course on computer programming computer programming writing code for the program called basic pam was already at the class and she thought well i'll just continue i'll listen to this course tonight as the professor spoke She found she absolutely loved the concept of writing code. And as she drove away that night from the course, she was saying to God, This is it. This is what I want to do. I want to write code. She found a small software company that was trying to hire programmers. She got a job with them, and she worked with them for a while. And then they had a financial downturn and they had to let someone go and they were going to have to let her go. But God led her to take a course on interviewing. They told her about a job that had opened up at FedEx. One of the main headquarters for FedEx is in Colorado Springs. There was an opening for a computer programmer at FedEx. She got an interview with FedEx, and she told me she answered everything wrong at the interview. But a few days later, she got a call from FedEx, and they said she got the job as a computer programmer at FedEx. Later, when she had worked long enough and was really acquainted with this manager who had hired her, she said to him, Why did you hire me? She said, I got everything wrong when you hired. When I took the interview, I had everything wrong. He was a guy from Texas and he said, Oh, Pam, computer programming is not brain surgery. He said, I could tell you were very diligent and would be a very good worker and that you would work very hard. And he said, That's what I wanted. She spent 20 years or so with FedEx and retired as a computer programmer and she loved doing the work so if you have a job you hate start with prayer don't try to push anything particularly just ask God to lead you into something that you would enjoy doing the Lord is my shepherd the Word is my shepherd The word that he will bring to our minds by his spirit leads us. One day in 2020, I was looking at my old car, which was 24 years old at that time. I was considering taking it to an upholsterer to have those seats upholstered. I am 83, and I've broken several bones due to accidents. And it's very uncomfortable to sit on most seats. So I was thinking about taking the car to have it upholstered. Into my mind came these words, or you could just buy a new car. It's sort of like a lightning bolt struck me, and I just stopped. And I thought, that's right, I could buy a new car. I had sold a house in Texas, and I was living in one of Pam's guest bedrooms, so I didn't have any housing expense. I could buy a new car and pay cash for it and have money left over. And that same night, I had a dream that I bought a new car. At that point, I told Pam about what had happened, that I'd heard this or you could just buy a new car, which I knew was from the Holy Spirit. You learn what is from the Holy Spirit. You learn these things because the Holy Spirit doesn't drive you to do things. He leads you. He gives you information. He gives you options. The Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to us the will of God in the matters at hand on this earth. He guides us into all truth and teaches us all things. I'm quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, John chapter 14, verse 26, John chapter 16, verse 13, telling about the working of the Holy Spirit. Dreams are from God, and they lead us into the will of God. But dreams are a little tricky because you really have to have the correct interpretation for the dream. I've made that mistake. I've had times I had the dream correct, but I just didn't have the interpretation. So dreams can be a little tricky. But they are of God and they're the word of God just as much as a scripture. Of course, you have to have interpretation from God, wisdom from God, understanding from God when you read a scripture. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. What's it like where you are? Is it always an uproar are people always fussing and complaining around you? That is not the situation God would have us in because the whole thing that we're told is Jesus Christ is returning for the church and when he comes, we are to be found in peace without spot and blameless, in peace. That's um, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. In peace. Well, you can't be in peace when there's a constant turmoil around you. You can't be in peace when things at your job are very twisted and when your boss is lying and when people are expected to lie at the job. That can't be the right place. You cannot be in peace unless you are turning to God throughout the day, and praying throughout the day. Prayer is one of the main ways that we live in peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known Unto God, not unto me, not unto your pastor, not unto your neighbor, not even unto your mate. Go into your closet in secret and pray to God in secret. Let your request be made known unto God. See, that's what Pam did. She did. She got to where she did, was bored with her work at the bank. So what she do? She let her request be made known unto God. If you would please help me to find a type of work that I enjoy. That's exactly Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. And then it says in verse seven, after you've prayed the peace of God that passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus the Word. Remember, when we hear the see the Word Jesus and we hear The word, the Lord, we're going to translate it into the word. Your hearts and minds will be kept through Christ Jesus, the word. So God brings you a word to your mind to settle you down. I've had that happen so many times where I would pray. I was disturbed over something and I would pray because it troubled me. And God would bring me a word. And then I had joy. I wasn't troubled. I had joy. This is the joy of the Lord, the joy of the word. And that's our strength as Christians, is going to God in prayer and, uh, and waiting upon him until he clears the matter up. I have so many examples on this. I can't even begin to cover the examples, but I will give you one or two. Every year, a friend of mine sends me a birthday card. And she usually puts a note in it telling what she is doing. One year, she sent me a birthday card, and she told me she'd just been to her grandson's wedding. And she told me what she and her daughter had planned. And she told me the things that she and her husband and her daughter and her grandchildren were planning for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I heard from the Holy Spirit, ye are dead and your life is hid in Christ. And I said, that's right. I'm dead and my life is hid. They can't see my life. But I have a life. It's just they can't see it because I don't have a husband. I don't have a daughter. I don't have a granddaughter. I don't have any plans for Christmas. It looks like I have nothing, but I have everything because I have a life in Christ Jesus, the Word. The Holy Spirit in that situation brought to me Colossians chapter 3. Ye are dead and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ appears, your life will appear with him. If you will turn to Colossians 3, you'll see that. The verse the Holy Spirit reminded me of was verse 3. Now, he didn't say to me verse 3. He brought to my mind, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, suppose the Holy Spirit hadn't brought that to my mind. At the time I was reading about This woman and her husband and her daughter and her granddaughter, grandson, and all of the things they had planned for the holidays when I had nothing. I had nothing. I had none of those things. But what God says to me through the Holy Spirit is, "Ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. And I'm saying, joyfully, that's right. I stopped reading my friend's note. And I'm thinking on what God has just brought to my mind by the Holy Spirit, who is the Comforter. I think I would have been a little bit downcast after reading my friend's note about all of her activities. I think I might have been pulled down a little emotionally if the Holy Spirit hadn't told me this. But because of what he told me, I was excited and joyful. This is the way the Holy Spirit works. This is the way God leads us. Something rather humorous uh, happened in January. It doesn't sound like humorous when I start the story, but it really is. This happened during all the trouble Mr. Trump was having, and they took away his Twitter account. I was just All of a second, I panicked, and I said, oh, I hope they don't take away my Twitter account. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you don't have a Twitter account. And I said, oh, that's right. (laughs) Now, I'm an extremely stable person, but we all have those strange moments of panic when we think something, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit tells us, you don't have a Twitter account. Oh, that's right. Well, the next day, I couldn't quit thinking about this subject of Twitter. I finally came to the point of thinking, well, maybe I should get a Twitter account. And I said to God, should I get a Twitter account? Now, how does God lead us? When we're following the Word of God, when we are following God, how does He lead us? He can lead us through a scripture that's called to our mind. He can lead us through a dream. He can lead us by joyfulness, by excitement, especially confirmed by the word of God. God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. So I said to Pam Paget, Pam, would you look and find out how we go about getting a Twitter account? Pam was reminded of a dream that I'd had a few days ago, before this. And finally, I was reminded of that dream. In the dream, there were starving kittens. They were outside my door. They were on my porch, just waiting. There were about 24 newly born kittens. There were kittens of six months old. There were kittens fully grown. And there were some very vicious cats that had killed one kitten. And the kitten was hanging out of the mouth of this one older cat. And it was dead. The cat had the stomach of the kitten. And the head of the kitten was hanging off one side of the mouth. And the rear end of the kitten off the other. This cat had killed this kitten. The kitten was about six to eight weeks old. This cat had killed a kitten and was going to eat it. Well, I was so upset by this dream, and in this dream I thought, I've got to do something to get these vicious cats that are killing these kittens and harming the kittens, I've got to do something to help these kittens and to get these vicious cats away from them. But I don't know what to do. I woke up, and I absolutely did not want to think about this dream. Not at all. I didn't know what to do. I was pretty sure it pertained to the church, but I did not know what to do. Well, after going through this Twitter thing, I could see that that was God. That was God confirming to me, go ahead and open this Twitter account. Some of you have seen the Twitter account and you know it's pure word of God and scriptures. We have been astounded at the number of people that have responded and have looked at the Twitter account. We've had hundreds of people in two days time look at the biblical things on the Twitter account. And I don't do secular things. The biblical things, the problems of this life and Going to the Bible and solving those problems by the Bible. It's just incredible. In two days, we've had hundreds of people already read the, those scriptures. Go to that, that account. Well, see how God led me. He gave me a dream first. And I didn't want to look at the dream. It scared me. And then this... Incredible thing about Donald Trump losing his Twitter account and me saying, Oh, I hope I don't lose my Twitter account, and the Holy Spirit saying, You don't have a Twitter account, and me saying, Oh, yeah. So I calmed down on that. But then I couldn't forget the subject of Twitter. And I began praying, Do you want me to get a Twitter account? I'd never even seen what a Twitter was. I've heard of them, but I'd never actually seen what. Twitter is. God leads us that way. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If something is extremely complex, extremely difficult, extremely expensive, I always know I don't have the plan of God. If there's a lot of turmoil and friction, I don't have the plan of God. So if you will learn some of these principles that I've spoken of, look at some of these scriptures that I've quoted, look at the, what I've written about this subject on the podcast, your whole life will turn around if you can do these things. If you're of God, your whole life will turn around. You'll be amazed at what happens once you understand and begin following the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When you look at the Bible and you see the word Lord, begin to think of that as the word, because that's what he is. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As a new Christian, I remember thinking about, why didn't he just say Jesus instead of saying the Word? Because Jesus was the Word in the beginning. And he took on the form of a man and came to this earth so he could be crucified and die for our sins. And now he's back in heaven. He's the word. See in the beginning. It was the word. For a very brief time. He was Jesus. On this earth. But he was also the word even then. And that, now he's the word again. When he comes through the clouds. To gather the church. He'll be. As Jesus in probably in a form that looks like Jesus. But he's the word. Now let's look at this scripture once again in John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. God said, let there be light. How did God create the heavens and earth? By the word. God spoke, it was created. The word created everything. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Lots of times the word comes to us and we're not really sure, are we? We have a word brought by the Holy Spirit to our mind. It's an idea. And sometimes we're just, it it gets past us. I've had some times that God would bring it two or three times to my mind, maybe to my mind once, and then an hour or two later again, the word was brought to my mind. And then the next day it was brought to my mind, and finally God would get my attention to what he had brought to my mind. That's the way it works. The word is very gentle. It's usually not driving or harsh. It is very gentle. John chapter 1 verse 5, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He was in the world, and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Verse 12, But as many as received him the word, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name the word. Those who believe the word are born again. Oh, I saw that happen with my mother. My parents didn't go to any church at all, and we didn't even have a Bible in the house. I was born again when I was about 37, 38. I went to visit my mother at that time. I opened the cabinet in her kitchen, and there were a bunch of Zodiac mugs, horoscope mugs, that I had given to her before I was born again. I began filling a garbage bag with those mugs. My mother was watching me. I didn't say a word. She said, what are you doing? Oh, no, no, I want to keep those. You gave those to me. I want to keep those. I didn't look at her. I didn't say a word. I just kept filling the garbage bag with the Zodiac mugs. I took them out to the alley where the dumpster is, I broke the mugs so no one else could use them and I threw them in the garbage. When I got back into her house, I went to my bedroom, got a Bible, came back and opened it to Deuteronomy 18 and read the following words to my mother, starting at verse 9. Now, one thing I should tell you before I read this to you, my mother had always loved horoscopes. Even when I was a little child, we would go to the drugstore, and she would buy the monthly horoscope magazine, and almost daily she would read my horoscope to me when I was in elementary school. Now I'm born again, but my mother's not born again. So I have broken the mugs, I come back into the house, I don't say one word to her, I go to the bedroom, I get my Bible. I open it to Deuteronomy 18. I begin reading aloud to her, starting at verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do those things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. I closed up the Bible, my mother didn't say anything, and I didn't say anything, and after a minute or so, she said, well, I guess we'd better not do that anymore. And guess what? She was born again, at that second. Why? Because she agreed with God. That's what being born again is. He speaks to you, either through a human, but always his Holy Spirit is there to convict you of sin. And what did she say? I guess we'd better not do that anymore. I went back to Dallas where I was living at the time and my uncle wrote to me and he said, your mother has changed. She's really changed. She was born again. It's that simple. We agree with the Bible, and we're born again. And after we're born again, we find scriptures, and we agree with that scripture. We conform ourselves to the image of Christ by agreeing with the scripture, and by doing the scripture. And every time we do a scripture again and again and again, we are conformed to the image of Christ by doing the scripture that's called to our attention. And that's what life is for us. When we're born again, be not conformed to this world. Romans twelve. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let them influence you. Don't go that way. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd. The word of God is my shepherd. I follow it, and therefore. I shall not want. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.